and there was a queue of children uh, to use this. And so the, the, the people running the stand thought that they'd done incredibly well till they started talking to the young people in the queue. Welcome to Construction Disrupted, the ultimate podcast for the construction industry, exploring the limitless possibilities at the dynamic intersection of construction and technology. Wow, that's a mouthful. Delve into the latest topics, news, events, expert insights, and marketing that are shaping the industry right now and in the future. We'll hopefully sprinkle a little bit of humor in there for you as well. I'm your guide, Peter Sumpton, and I run a construction technology marketing agency, Build Different. If you're ready to embrace disruption and unlock the potential of the construction industry, keep on listening and be part of the conversation that's reshaping the future of construction. If you're not, uh, I really wouldn't bother. It's it's probably not going to be that interesting for you. Whether you're a construction technology professional or just part of the construction industry in general. This podcast is your go-to resource for staying informed, inspired, and of course, connected. Speaking of connected, the best way you can help to support this podcast is by sharing it far and wide and leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Right then, let's go and build different and get disruptive. Back in 2021... CITB, the Construction Industry Training Board, stated that 216,800 new workers are needed by 2025 to meet demand. And the latest figures show this has increased by nearly 4%. That's increased, not decreased. The sectors this seems to be affecting the most are private housing, infrastructure, and repair and maintenance. But I don't think this is an accurate representation as it is very much focused on the front line, on the tools, the trades, and not the entire industry. It's easy to forget that the industry wouldn't survive without other skills, such as architectural design, engineering, project management, and other office-based disciplinaries. These worrying facts are only compounded by the fact that construction is one of the least digitized industries. In fact, You'll hear on a number of episodes us talking about how agriculture is a really good comparison for the technology that's been brought into that industry and reduced the actual manual labor that's required, but also how far behind the technology actually is compared to other industries. But within all this doom and gloom, there lies hope. The next generation of workers, digital natives, will demand digitization. They know nothing different. And this, could be cyclical. More digital natives means more digitization, which leads to a more appealing industry for younger generations. But how do we get there? Today, we're chatting with Catherine Lennon-Johnson, an entrepreneur, author, which we'll come on to later, TEDx speaker, teacher, and consultant with over 18 years of experience in behavior change. To tackle the construction skills shortage and attract the next generation into construction, Catherine recognized the need to celebrate the built environment as a source for good. She's the founder of Built Environment Skills in Schools, BESS, and author 
of courses and books for employers looking to deliver effective school engagement. Catherine, welcome. Hello. Hi, Peter. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Pleasure. Is there anything that I've missed off that intro that people should know? Um, no, I'm sure that probably covers it. Uh, super opinionated troublemaker is probably what most people that know me would say. <laughs> and that should be your LinkedIn headline. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. With, with that in mind, I want to get straight into it uh, because what we're not going to cover today is the things that the construction industry should do or might do or will help in terms of future skills, in terms of the construction a skills crisis that's happening all around us um, because you live and breathe it. So I think that would be very superficial of us. But we've heard for many years, many, many years since as long as I can remember of this skills crisis. And it's probably getting to a crunch point. And I think the pandemic, like most things, actually accelerated it. And if you tried to get a roofer recently with all the weather and, <laughs> and, and torrential rain, you'll be feeling the pain. But I, I think there's a, a bigger picture here so I just want to fast forward to the future really and what could you see would be a worst case scenario or potentially a worst case scenario if we don't resolve what is becoming a, a bigger skills crisis within construction I think it probably depends on your perspective whether it's a good thing or a bad thing I can see a world coming and I'm told by people who are involved directly in various disciplines in the industry that they will cease to be relevant in the form that they are right now and things will change people talk often i was at a conference i remember years ago where a particular professional body were represented on stage it was all of their main committee and one of the questions from the audience was what's our uber moment going to be in construction what's that kind of disruption point and the panel debated this a little bit. And then the chairman said, we don't know exactly what it will be, but we want to be at the front of it. And I thought, none of you understand how disruption works. You won't get <laughs> to be at the front of it unless you're the people changing it. And that disruption will come because it has to. It may come because a huge amount, one in six of the industry are due to retire this decade. And so new people will come in. Those, a lot of those small businesses will be sold as going concerns. There'll be management buyouts and they will change. They will have to change. Technology will change things. Client demands will change things. The huge pressure of climate change will change things and the way that we deliver solutions. But also this sort of 2% margin race to the bottom is not a sustainable model. And eventually that is going to implode in on itself. So there's a number of ways that it, it could change I'm, I'm told reliably by an architect colleague that architects in their current form in the solutions that they provide will cease to be relevant over the next 10 years it will be different problems that they solve and therefore different training that they will require but i think what will happen is the construction industry will have a lot of things done to it unless it decides that it wants to be consciously part of making those things happen so it depends what perspective you take but i think we need to actively be better and then we get to influence these things rather than simply be recipients of a change that we didn't want mm. uh, i think con the construction industry is, is slightly different to other industries in that the 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 
I hate to use these phrases, but like the, the next generation coming through, it's going to be a digital native generation. They'll know nothing but that, uh, which is always interesting when you talk to people, you realize you, you're actually old uh, <laughs> when you start to talk to people and, and they don't. I, I remember the first time I knew I was getting old was I was I was working for an organization and I mentioned Monty Python and somebody in the room uh, that was a lot younger than me went, who? And I just thought, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, that's it. Game over. Um, but back to back to this, uh, and and I think it's one of those industries where it is really going to be the younger generation that have that impact and have that effect because they will demand it. That they, they know nothing different. So it, it will it will help pull through technology, which will make these fundamental changes. And in my own little way, I'm making sure that they do that. I, I want them to see that the built environment is not as good as it could be or as it should be, that we deserve better as human beings, as homeowners, as communities, as neighborhoods, as countries, as, as human beings. We deserve better than we get. And I, I want them to believe that they mm. can come and be part of that solution. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I read a stat that that stated how many 18 to 24 year olds have searched for a job in the construction industry and it was three percent um which is just it's a bit mind-blowing if you think about even if they weren't searching for it and they randomly tripped over it you'd expect it to be about three percent uh, which which is scary so that that brings me to ask you where and when should we be engaging with people that can make a difference to our industry? I think, as I say, it depends. They're going to come and make a difference to the industry, whether we want them to or not. If we're actively being part of that, then as soon as we possibly can. There's another stat, there's a piece of research that happens every year that talks to students at Key Stage 5 who are going through A-levels and T-levels and things mm. about their future plans. And in that research at the end of the last academic year, so almost a year ago now, it was saying that of the students who weren't sure what career path they, they were exactly going to follow, 40% of them, 40% said that no matter what construction paid, they wouldn't consider it as an option, which is just extraordinary. So certainly by leaving it that late, we, we've already missed a massive chunk of the kind of brilliant people that we want. And uh, talking to a colleague earlier today about something else, but that they were suggesting that it, construction shouldn't be, shouldn't almost take pride in the fact that we have such very low barriers to entry that you can come into the industry with almost no qualifications and, and do well here. In a lot of ways, that's great from a societal perspective and economically, but maybe we should be taking ourselves more seriously than that. Maybe mm. we should be aiming to have the best of the best come here. Maybe we should be planning to compete against technology and and engineering and manufacturing as uh, get those brilliant people to come in and shake things up. I think depending exactly on what kind of message you want to portray, um, that there are different pros and cons to different age groups. Certainly, talking to really young children in primary school. The curriculum is a little bit less structured, so you've got more opportunity to sort of engage and it's not quite so exam focused. By the time you go into secondary school, most of what you're engaging in 
will have to map to the curriculum because those kind of exam attainments are what schools will be looking for and that's their main priority. If you're talking to Key Stage 5 students, those sort of older groups before they go into higher education, they are really thinking very seriously about salaries, mm. job roles, progression, very specific personal opportunities within that. And then if you were looking at people in HE, those sort of university um, degree apprentice, that kind of level, you're then talking to them very specifically about a job, an opportunity, an event. So it really depends how broad or narrow your message is at that point. Also, I think although it's not my field, um, it's really important to consider people who are already in other sectors and what they can yeah. bring as variable skills to come in. So again, I think there's space for everybody here to to come and and have a message, have a voice. All I would say is, do it. Mm -hmm. Stop stop thinking someone else is going to solve the problem for you. Because, yeah. and and you know, something I say to all of the businesses that I work with is, your message is unique to you. Your story is yours, and young people need to hear it because it's different to the person they heard from last week or the people they hear from next week. You've got something unique to say, and it will draw your people to you. So, don't think someone else can do that for you. So I've got this. It's not a theory. It's just it's just my, my my thoughts here, right? And and part of the issue is that when we can say construction, I'm being very flippant here, by the way. But when we say the word construction, you think of a bricklayer, a tiler, um, manual labour, and that for a lot of youngsters might not be appealing at at all. You know, in the generation that wants to be a, a, a YouTuber, again, massive generalisations here. Um, so you've, we've got that to compete with, that when people say construction, they don't go into the detail. And that leads me on to two things. Number one is, well, if you are a bricklayer, you do realize that you'll have a trade, you'll have a skill for life. You can actually build a business off that. And then you can do take that in any direction you want and be very, very profitable because you'll be a business owner. And number two, when we say construction, we think of bricklayers and things like that. But we don't mention any of the technical abilities, the, um, the the data analysis abilities that we're going to need, the 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 office working environment that is going to be important, and the off-site elements of it. We just don't necessarily mention that enough, which is highly frustrating because that's a big part of the construction industry. When you said moving people across from different industries, it's like there's not much difference between what some uh, professions do in certain industries and construction it's just been tarnished with that bad brush for some reason and, and there's a lot of reasons for that careers advisors <laughs> you know i know that that's that's something that we'll come on to as well but yeah. um careers advice and that structure in schools is so completely diametrically different to what it was when we were in school it's not like that anymore mm. um children always get careers advice now and careers advisors can only talk about what they know about and there's no possible feasible way that they would understand every single role in every single sector in every possible job mm. also there's that old stat that does the rounds from time to time that uh, only 40 percent of young people who are currently in education will come into jobs that exist today because mm -hmm. you know 10 years ago Deliveroo driver and TikTok influencer weren't things yeah. and now they are and you can make money at those in 10 years time who knows what mm -hmm. they will be 
Um, so we're painting a picture of a world that that we can't really describe because we don't know what it will look like. Um, but uh, you know that that sort of that perception is it, it, the the origins of that challenge come in a number of ways. So it's what careers advisors understand. It's what parents understand if they don't already come from that sector. So a huge amount, about 60% of a young person's influence on their career opportunities come from their parents. Um, okay. Because inevitably, that's the people that you spend all your time with and, mm. and they're the who are going to impact in one way or another the, the way that you feel about your decisions. Um, peer pressure, all of that kind of thing. Many, many years ago, a colleague and I went to visit a, a production studio who make um, Hollyoaks, the TV show, because we wanted okay. them to include a storyline about construction. In, in the show, there was a, a new housing estate being built or something, and we wanted to encourage that. Naturally, the TV company pushed back and said, well, in order for it to be TV worthy, there's got to be some intrigue in that. There's got to be some peril. There's got to be things that are good storylines. So if everything just ticks along nicely, there's no story in that. Um, and, and inevitably, none of the construction employers were happy to have their name associated with yeah, anything yeah. that might go wrong. So we are not represented in TV shows or in movies. We're not the job that people know about. Um, and And whether we like it or not, a lot of the industry is a bit old fashioned. These are the jobs that our grandparents were doing and they haven't really changed that much. You know, there's mm -hmm. a bit more PPE, but other than that, the, the job is still very similar. Um, so actually helping young people understand how what you do fits into a much bigger picture of not just construction, but the built environment is a key part of what I encourage all of the employers I work with to do. Don't just tell your little bit of the story. Talk about mm. the other people in your supply chain and the partners that you work with and how collectively you all solve problems. Because as long as we're getting people into the sector, we we have that opportunity for people to move around. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to come on to your your, your uh, book in in a moment, um, but I just want to to tell you this this little story because it it's perfect alignment with what you just said. My my partner's a a birth worker, so she coaches people um, through the the birthing process and and highlights how you can how, how it should be celebratory and and not something to fear basically. And it's really funny because I was never passionate about it until she became passionate about it and, and now I, I I really am um in terms of how people give birth and stuff like that although it's not my bag a bit too squeamish for that <laughs> but the point being <laughs> the, the point being the tv thing that you highlighted um so you have things like one born every minute and and stuff like that and that is not a true reflection on how birth actually is but like you said for the dramatization of it they're not going to show the 99.9 percent .9 of normal births when nothing happens and you just give birth again i'm not saying it's an easy thing um that you just give birth and away you go they're going to show that 0 0.01 where something happens or it's extreme or whatever and we are drawn into this perception of that is what happens and my wife actually shows do you remember rugrats Vaguely, yeah. Yeah, it was, it's a cartoon in the 90s, I think, and it shows the mum in Rugrats giving birth. 
and it's a traumatic scene. So even at a young age, cartoons are, are showing what birth should be like, which is traumatic and screaming and panic, and and it's just not like that. And I think construction, weirdly enough, is quite a good. There's some synergies going on with that. There's um, a, a similar kind of '90s show, but uh, you may have heard these stats already that um, the X Files show. Um, Agent Scully in that, Gillian Anderson, she and her character did more to encourage girls into STEM than <laughs> any other campaign has ever done. And obviously that wasn't an intentional campaign, but because her character wasn't doing boring, mundane, routine things, she was, you know, tracking aliens. She was, mm. you know, solving all sorts of problems. And so it became something that people could imagine themselves in that world solving a, a whole facet of problems. And I think we tend to, as, as you say, construction is represented in, in quite structured narrative. It becomes quite samey. And we're just giving that sort of one dimension of, of what it is where actually, mm. certainly if we are going to take climate change seriously, we're not really looking at building that many new things now. We're looking at retrofit and reuse and circular economy and sustainable demolition and all of those kind of things which is a whole other challenge and a different way of telling a story so there's so much for us to use as our our, our, mm. our content but for some reason we don't that's not as entertaining <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, okay so so moving on to your onto your book then um it's not out yet is it no, not yet. Just chasing up some final case studies to go in. Fantastic. So, so the title. Uh, I'm just gonna. Uh, I'm gonna read this off the screen. So, five D thinking, the five step roadmap to deliver measurable impact and powerful outcomes in careers outreach. So, just talk us through that, please, because I, th I think that's important. Because at the start, I, I mentioned that we're not just gonna talk about the problems and and that kind of stuff. So, I want to get into it now. Well. The book came about, I've been doing this for a long time. I, I haven't just been working directly in the construction industry. I've been part of the Careers and Enterprise Company, which is the government's arm's length body that looks after careers intervention. Um, and, and I was their lead for construction. So I'm seeing it from all sides. I teach in colleges and universities and I do a lot of outreach work in schools. So I'm trying to pull together all of those experiences. And although there is a lot of content out there for colleges and for universities to help them engage better with employers, there is nothing that tells the story from the other side of employers. How can you be what education needs you to be? Because in my experience, I've had so many conversations with so many employers who act as if education hadn't moved on from what it was like when we were there, um, as if you could just rock up and talk about anything you want to. And as you'd imagine, education is an incredibly heavily regulated sector, mm. absolute requirements on what schools need. And if you're not giving them that, then not actually helping them, um, whatever your views are on, on the curriculum and the structure of the curriculum, the way that careers advice is structured is actually very heavily regulated. It's something that Ofsted mark schools for as part of the, their accreditation. Sticking with schools then, um, if you look at a 1990 school, and I'm going to pick that because that was kind of my my generation, 
if you were a career advisor, I'd, I'd kind of, well, I'd, I'd probably jump off a, a bridge to be fair <laughs> but, <laughs> back then. But um, I remember the career advice given in the 90s and it was pretty darn bleak. I remember, and this is this is for all the kids listening, we had a CD-ROM that you put in, you put in this massive computer and you answered 20 questions and it told you not to be a tree surgeon. That was pretty much it. And then we had an hour in our final year. I remember this vividly, an hour in our final year. And they they, they wrote on, on the whiteboard. So I'm not that old. It's not a blackboard. It's a whiteboard. Um, they wrote on the whiteboard. You've got kind of three options. So you can go to college. So you say locally and go to college and learn. You can go to university. And that's probably your best option because clever people do that. Or you can get an apprentice. And if you're a thicko, you need to go and get an apprenticeship. Um and that that was kind of it. And like I, I've taught apprenticeships within marketing and I'm a huge advocate for them because I think they're absolutely brilliant. So times have massively changed. But from the construction industry point of view and the teachings and bringing, like you said, from, from your book and bringing them from the industry um, and, 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 and teaching how we can teach people in different ways, what has actually changed in the advice we're giving people or has it? Everything, everything. Okay. Completely. I, I mean, the 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 actual determination of what job is right for you is still going to come down to you and, and yeah. what you match best with. But the whole process is so much more comprehensive. So particularly in senior schools, because that's where most of the careers focus um, is is given as opposed to primary schools. Um, Every, every state school has got a careers lead. That person is often a deputy head or something like that. That person is not a careers advisor. A careers advisor is a specific job with a specific qualification. So if you're a careers advisor, you're advising a young person directly. But the careers lead is responsible for all of the careers activity in that school. And a big part of what they do with the careers and enterprise company is map all of that to make sure that every single year group, every single class, every single subject, every single attainment group has all got the same kind of exposure to careers information, but told in the way that is most suitable to you. And different schools do that differently. Different schools obviously have different budgets to do that. So some schools will invest in competitions and challenges and campaigns and get their kids involved in that kind of thing. Other people may just do some careers fairs and have some employers come in really depends what they can afford. Um, but the careers advisor, depending on the school itself, so two, two schools I work with, one is an independent school, one is a state school. The independent school has got seven full-time careers advisors who work across all of the school. The state school has got one advisor who does one morning a week, which is not even enough time to get to know the names of the students. <laughs> Um, you, so, you, go and do this. Yeah. So again, there's so much opportunity for employers to help those people. And, and this is something I really would encourage listeners to do, that if talking to young people isn't something that you're comfortable with, it's not something you can put the resource to, it's not something you give that time and commitment to, talk to careers advisors, talk to careers leads, because they're adults, their frame of reference is bigger. But they can take your message and translate it and adapt it for all of these different students and, and make it relevant to them in a way that you don't have to do then. Um, but helping them to understand what the options are, what the world looks like. Because if you're doing half a day a week, 
there's no possible way that you could ever know all of the jobs that exist in the world and how quickly those jobs are changing and, mm. and you know what the requirements might be of those roles in the future and as you say there's so many qualifications and post 16 opportunities that are yeah. also changing all the time there's only so much that they can ever know yeah would it would it be welcomed then if uh, local construction organizations uh, large or small whatever it may be uh, would careers advisors or the leads welcome organizations getting in touch and saying we want to push and promote what we do unless you've got actual internships or, or opportunities that you're promoting um that's you know it's a long game if you're mm -hmm. promoting the industry um but it's it's certainly worth doing i would say and i'm told by uh my careers contacts reliably that on an average day they will get 90 emails nine zero emails just about careers separate from all of the other emails that they get about running a school and the local authority and the government and parents and all of those kind of things they just have not got time to yeah. reply all of those so i know for a lot of employers they get frustrated because they don't get responses mm. uh, from schools when they reach out to them so sure. there's certainly a lot to consider in the school calendar schools are planning their activities at least a term in advance if not an academic year in advance so dropping an email and saying, hey, we want to do a thing next week is never, ever going to get you want. You've got to tie in with the timescales. But, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely worth doing. I would say, if you're new to this, if you know that you want to do schools outreach, if you know that, or, or education outreach, you know what you want to do things, there are so many other people in that education space, in that career space, join up, partner with them, don't try mm. to go it alone, be part of a voice, be part of a competition, be part of a challenge. The Careers and Enterprise Company run a scheme called Give an Hour, where you can sign up on their website and they'll match you with an opportunity. So you don't even have to do, that. they're almost a brokerage, you don't have to do yes. the legwork yourself. And that way you can start to learn and start to practice and get good at it and decide what level of commitment you want. Um, one of the schools might be a little bit reluctant to greet every employer with open arms is that they are absolutely looking for consistency they don't mm -hmm. want something that is one and done they need yeah. something that give to next year students and next year students and next year students um so look at the kind of longevity of what you can do if your school's engagement is part of a social value commitment and it's only going to be x number of years because that's what the project is be very clear about that hmm. um upfront with the school but also digital is your friend video things create digital content create downloads and quizzes and and you know curriculum modules and information so that teachers can use that once nice. you stop being available yeah, that's that, that's re really smart and playing the long game or, or making sure that you are collaboration. I keep seeing it saying that word collaboration in the industry, absolutely key, but make sure you're collaborating uh, is 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 critical. I listened to your TED talk and I advise anybody to to, to listen to it. The link will be in, in the show notes because it kind of opens your eyes to what the built environment is and can do to us and how we have an impact. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to, quote you on on this and then ask you something about what, what you said so you said the opportunity the responsibility to be, to be part of something that impacts lives so profoundly and you were talking about the construct the actual construction of the built environment around us 
is something I really want to encourage. Okay, so when we talk about, this is me speaking now, and end quote, when, when we talk about encouraging people into the built environment, into construction, is the, the argument to say that that should be part of what we are fundamentally saying, or even front and center, that you can have an impact with how not just you, but your family and the, the next generation of people and the generation after that actually live and communicate and um, hopefully have happy, fulfilling lives. Is, should should we go that far or, or are we just saying construction is great? <laughs> um, for me personally, absolutely. I, and I, I have had events called exactly this, but construction is your chance to genuinely change the world. Mm. Truly, fundamentally change the world, especially as the challenges of the world. And some of those are very wicked problems that don't have easy, immediate solutions. You can come and be part of that. So homelessness, climate change, really, really challenging, fluctuating economies, wars, all of those kind of things are the reality of the world. And construction, the built environment, is the chance to to make those things better, whatever that might be, whether that is um, emergency accommodation, whether that is sustainability in, in all of its dimensions, so not just environmental, but social and financial, whether that is about identifying truly innovative solutions for the future. There are so many incredible things that are happening in the industry that are just, you know, I, I, as someone who doesn't have a technical background, I can find myself going down rabbit holes for hours yeah. watching videos about mycelium bricks and things that are just yeah. fascinating and the things that people are creating, the, the solutions. So the way that I pitch this when I talk to young people is this isn't just bums on seats jobs. It doesn't really matter what the vacancies are now, although this is something that the industry needs to start to, to recognize and to address. This is about the future. This is about creating the career for you and the world for you as you want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, build the, build the world you want uh, around you. Just want to go back to the, the, the school environment um, and the, the Sutton Trust Report on careers guidance in secondary school came out last year and and the stat that stuck out to me was that nearly 50 percent of 17 to 18 year olds say they received a lot of information on unis but only 10 percent said they'd heard of apprenticeships so are, are schools the best way and time to engage with with people and and, and bring them into the the built environment or are, are there other ways we should consider as well Consider all the ways, you know, don't, don't <laughs> limit yourself. Um, education is a huge advantage in that it is a captive audience. You have got all young people are mm. obliged to be in education until they are 18. Um, so that's a way to reach them that you could never do in any other way unless you had extraordinary budgets to do that. Um, also, it is the world, it is the space where they are thinking about their future. So they are primed and ready for that conversation there. But certainly, um, I think it's important to recognize that schools have their own requirements, their own agenda. Mm. So there is a, a government 
site called Compare Schools Performance. I, I can put the link in the notes, but um, on there it compares, as the name suggests, all of the schools, all the state schools. And one of the things that they track is destination outcomes. So they will track where their pupils go when they leave that particular institution. Yeah. Some schools, some education institutions are very, very focused on where their pupils go because that is the basis on which parents send their kids there. Mm. Um, so trying to think that every school is going to promote every possible education pathway equally just isn't the reality. That's that's not going to happen. Yeah. But what I would say is this particular generation, this sort of Gen Z, Gen Alpha, um, who are in education or coming into the workforce now are the most informed generation. They have access to information every possible way. They, they, there's nothing that's kept from them. What they don't have is the context of that information. So if you want to make something relevant to them, if you want them to understand why apprentices, apprenticeships matter, for example, at T-levels or whatever it might be, give them a room to see that in a way that's relevant to don't just tell them about courses because they're perfectly able to find that themselves fantastic, fantastic. yeah completely completely with you and, and and on board there uh just want to come on to this last part really of of our, our chat um and it's to do with latest technology and and and, and learnings and, and and teachings and you um you recently presented at Digital Construction Week and then subsequently wrote a piece for, for Construction News. And there was one line in there that it, it's almost obvious, but you just think, oh, yeah, of, of course. Um, and if you're not in the game, then you wouldn't necessarily know it. But you said we can leverage cutting edge technologies like Minecraft, drones, SketchUp and live site broadcasts to captivate young minds. And then you went on to say teachers are clear that they should always be used to demonstrate the intricate aspects of our work rather than as a gimmick, which I think is absolutely critical. So how can we utilize what you've just said there, like uh, drones and um, live site broadcasts, Minecraft and other other games, if you like, to get people interested in construction, but construction technology as well. And part of it is construction technology. Part of it is just keeping young people safe. So doing live broadcasts from site is a great way to tell the story of what you do and give people a real insight into a day in the life without them actually coming onto the site for for, for both reasons there, for the safety of people coming onto your site, but also because schools, particularly as you get into secondary school, are absolutely up against it in terms of the curriculum that they're delivering and taking kids out of off timetable and, and away from the school has got to be something that is really valuable to the biggest possible group of students because as i say the careers lead is looking at making sure that everybody is given equal access to that so if you take 10 kids to a construction site then you've got to have people go to hospitality or people go to tech or people go to the military or whatever and suddenly you've got nobody in school um, <laughs> um not something that teachers want particularly um but using those things so the the reason i said that about minecraft particularly it seems like such an easy way it's such a great game and a way for young people to experience various parts of the site in a way that talks to them as those digital natives but it doesn't take long for someone in that classroom to ask 
the representative from construction and say, hey, how do you use this in your everyday life? And have that person go, I've never even switched it on before. The marketing <laughs> person just told me I should present this. And suddenly kids realize that you've, you know, you've, you've given them something that actually isn't the day job. Hmm. They'd much rather an understanding of what you might do in your life as, in construction, or, or even if it isn't something you do, something that you could do. So things like SketchUp are a great way for you to take some of the principles of Minecraft, but actually apply it to a, a real world um, and, and use that to build things, construct things, design things. Um, obviously, things like drones are not just the drone itself and the piloting of the drone, but the Raspberry Pi code that goes mm -hmm. into op you know, to running that system. That's something that kids doing um, technology related courses will be really interested in, maybe not construction itself but the, the use of that um and and using things like um you know some of the sustainability carbon calculators or or you know whatever it might be that you use in your life technology doesn't just have to be the the flashy video game stuff it can be really really practical and help young people to see this is what you do now but i can see how you could do something better and that's what you're you're giving them this also as a very anecdotal experience um there was a big industry expo a few years ago and one of the stalls had got uh, a minecraft game that had been tailored specifically to be about tall buildings and, and um, skyscrapers and there was a queue of children uh, to use this. And so the, the, the people running the stand thought that they'd done incredibly well till they started talking to the young people in the queue. And because all the kids knew this game and knew how it worked, they had a hack so that they could use the game how they wanted to. <laughs> so they were actually queuing up to use it for totally different reasons. <laughs> they know it better than we do. So let's not try and put ourselves in situations where we look like idiots. Um, yeah, yeah. But using the technology in a way where we're actually talking about what what the reality is now. I mean, some of those exoskeleton suits that people use for big highways maintenance and stuff, those are absolutely extraordinary. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that that's Hollywood movie kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, and that's real. That's, that's yeah. actually happening right now. Or those machines that lay bricks and things. I'm not suggesting for a second that you take one of those into a school, but being able to show that this kind of equipment, um, off-site manufacturing, all of these kind of things, it's not just the industry as it was in the 1950s. It, it has actually moved on. But be real, talk to young people about the challenge that these things are not being adopted as quickly, as comprehensively as they could. Mm. Let them think about that challenge. Let them percolate on that because that is what they're looking for is how can they come into the world and solve a problem? How can they be part of something more than just paycheck? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and, and that, that's the key, isn't it? It's it, it what do what what do you want to achieve from your career? And I suppose it depends the age group that you're talking to, but money's money's going to be up there. Uh, but if you take that out of the equation, you know, what do you want to achieve then? There's a lot to be said for the construction industry and what success looks like and what you can put back into a local community, a national community, a global community, 
um, the, the possibilities are, are endless, really. And, and, and when you're talking about drones and Minecraft and um, the exoskeleton, it's like people need to create those things as well. So somebody has to design that drone for, like, use strawberry pie and stuff like that. But someone needs to create that exoskeleton for the construction industry. So that, in its way, is on the boundaries, but it's still part of that construction scene that, that you can create this tech, you know, for, that helps get to where we want to be within construction. And that's um, not talking about a skills shortage anymore. <laughs> no. Please. And, and that kind of, and that's something, again, I talk to employers about that when you're talking to young people, especially in education settings, you are competing not just with the people you consider to be your competitors, but with every other industry. So yeah. when when Google go in and talk to schools, they have quite a shiny message. It's mm -hmm. it's really quite impressive. Um, and, and they and have a slide in the office. So <laughs> yeah, and bean bags and all that kind of stuff. And you know, the reality is that if you have a job there, you may well spend sixty hours a week hunched over your computer writing code. It might not actually be that glamorous and exciting. Mm -hmm. You're part of a world that is. Um, and as you say, being part of that kind of tech world means solving problems, creating new things, stuff that actually moves on really, really fast in a way that perhaps a traditional view of construction doesn't. It hasn't changed fundamentally in a while. Yeah. To your point about the money, absolutely for Gen Z, Gen Alpha, Yes, of course, everybody wants to be able to have somewhere to live and pay bills and that kind of thing. But money for the sake of money is not always going to be the motivator. Also, recognize that although you can earn good money in construction, you can earn quite staggering money in other sectors. So if money is your thing, yeah, probably going into finance, to be honest, you know, that probably don't hook your message purely on that <laughs> no yeah absolutely not no i'm i'm not saying that um which leads me nicely on to the, the final part um i'm going to throw another quote of your yours at you because i think it's just <laughs> so poignant and a lovely way to, to to end this conversation um and you said i urge employers in the construction industry to embrace digital innovation and embark on a sustained partnership with educational institutions and and that in summary i think is what we've what we're saying you know you've got to embrace technology you've got to embrace technology within the construction field embrace technology to get people into construction and also collaborative work with educational institutions and that just doesn't mean schools it means other areas of of, of education um would you like to add anything to that or have i kind of stolen the thunder of summarizing <laughs> this whole conversation I, th I think the only thing i would say to that is that it doesn't have to be purely construction related technology in that. So mm -hmm. there is a huge amount of communications technology, social media, all of those kind of things, mm -hmm. uh, email that are really important tools. And I know the reality for so many businesses is just a complete mm -hmm. lack of time that you haven't got the resources to do this. Use technology, use Zoom or email campaigns or you know, whatever you want to, to use Slack or whatever it might be to build those relationships with schools, keep communicating with them, keep giving them useful, valuable things, but make sure that that's a dialogue. So mm -hmm. one of the simplest ways that I, I say to all employers is 
when schools are looking for or education institutions are looking for employers to support them and help them the first thing they do is the first thing all of us do they go and they google businesses in their area mm -hmm. if there's nothing on your website and nothing on your social media that talks mm -hmm. about your your education outreach they'll assume you don't do it if this is something you want to do make sure that it is a page on your website that talks about what you have to say what you have to offer who specifically they would talk to in your organization if they've got questions about that it's one of the easiest ways to just make sure that your message is out there but use your newsletters use your annual reports use whatever communication tools you have to make sure that you're also talking to that audience segment of educators perhaps or students mm. if that's your world um naturally if you're talking to young students then there are all sorts of safeguarding things regarding online conversations and things but the chances are you're not going to get into that in, into too much complication yeah. there just make sure that your messages are there they're clear because this these generations as we all do now they want bite-sized pieces of information that are really easy to find they don't want to have to trawl through a million things to find the message that you're trying to give them so use all of the technology that you've got not just construction tech to 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 help to support um and maybe the technology is just the phone pick, pick up make calls and yeah. and not just directly to to the education institutions but become a sponsor for young people if mm. you don't have opportunities reach out to your peers your supply chain and talk to them on behalf of young and i think catherine in under an hour we've solved the skill crisis <laughs> job uh job well done we can we can go and have a cup of tea now i think <laughs> perfect job done catherine thank you so much for joining me it's been an absolute pleasure thanks peter thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and giving this a listen if you want to chat further about anything you've heard on today's episode have a topic or technology you'd like me to cover or simply want to say hiya You'll find me on LinkedIn or through the emails. Peter at builddifferent.marketing. Stay disruptive.